This coverage of Legal Week brought to you by Legal Talk Network, with many great podcasts to make your next commute or workout informative and educational. To improve your practice and stay in the know, visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. I'm Ralph Baxter, and I'll be your host for this On the Road episode, and it's a pleasure uh, to participate in this uh, great event here in Legal Week. We're in New York City at Legal Week, and we are joined today by a panel that just presented at Legal Week about the regulatory reforms that are being considered across the United States, particularly in the Western states. With us today, we have Rebecca Sandifer, a professor from Arizona State University and one of the leading experts in the field of access to justice and the way legal service works uh, for uh, the ordinary citizen. We have two justices from Supreme Courts, uh, Justice Dino Himonas from Utah and Justice uh, and Chief uh, Deputy Chief Vice, Chief Vice Chief Justice of the Arizona Supreme Court, Ann Timmer, and Andrew Aruda, the co-founder of Ross Intelligence, but a member of the Attil's Commission in California that is studying reform there. We were very grateful to this group to come all the way across the country uh, and spend time here at Legal Week uh, talking to people who are otherwise going to be focused on uh, legal technology and corporate law to talk about this very pressing issue of reforming our rules to enable greater access to justice. So in this brief episode, we'd like to hear a little bit from each of you about what you shared with the audience. And starting with uh, Becky, uh, could you talk a little bit about what you shared about the access to justice challenge? Sure. Um, so in the United States, we have about, oh, I don't know, 320 million people, and we have every year about 167 mil million new civil justice problems. And so this isn't small businesses, it's not big businesses, it's ordinary people who are trying to get the documents to enroll their grandchildren in school, or respond to a debt collection lawsuit, or um, make a claim on their unemployment. And this activity is spread across every group in the population. Rich people have these problems, poor people have these problems, people have them all around the country, they have them in cities, they have them in small towns. And one of the things that's really striking about these problems is they fall in core areas of life. So they affect your ability to make a living, to have a place to live, to be able to care for people who are dependent on you. And when these problems go badly, they can be very impactful on your life and the lives of your family and your community. The striking thing is that maybe 15 to 25 percent of these problems get any kind of help. So most people handle these problems on their own. They don't get advice from an attorney. They never go to a court to get any kind of adjudication. And so all of this activity or much of this activity is happening outside the surveillance and attention of the law. And we're rightfully concerned that maybe that stuff isn't going so well. Maybe it's not resolving justly. Maybe it's resolving in ways that are really harmful to the people who are involved. So the, one of the things that's so exciting about the regulatory reforms that um, my colleagues are going to talk about is that they're opening up new ways for these people who are shut out of justice to have access to their own laws by providing new services from computers, new services from people who are not lawyers, and providing new ways for entities that produce legal services to incorporate themselves and produce things that people actually want and need. Right. So, so as you explain it so clearly, what we're talking about is enabling people 
who have issues that implicate the law to get the service they need, whether it's from a lawyer or from someone else, but get the service they need so they can navigate their lives, their small business problems, and the, and the like. Absolutely. All right. Now let's talk with uh, Justice Simonis from the Utah Supreme Court. Uh, if you would share with us what, in a, in a high-level way, what you are proposing to do, uh, but maybe to start with, how did it come about that you're considering these changes? So, we've been concerned about the access to justice crisis on the Utah Supreme Court for some time, and evaluating ways in which we can try to address the problem. Uh, we started in 2015 by looking at licensing paralegals to begin providing advice in, in three critical areas, debt collection, landlord-tenant, and family law. We've moved on beyond that to uh, providing an online dispute resolution model for small claims, which if all things go well, we'll, we'll be running statewide by this time next year. And now we're really trying to tackle regulatory reform trying to address kind of the problems that Professor Sandiford just addressed, and we're looking at creating a legal sandbox. So the idea is that uh, entrepreneurs, others, come into the sandbox with proposed ideas, whether they be lawyers, non-lawyers, what have you, and offer their product, uh, technology. Or maybe it's not a product at all, it's just a, a new way of, of running a business or a new business structure. A couple examples that I like to use are if it's in technology, for example, is a non-lawyer that's offering a, a trust and estate document that you can do online. Uh, and we test that, make sure that it's a quality product, that the consumer is being benefited, and try to drive down costs in that way. If we're talking about a new model, the one that I like to talk about is what if we were allowing social workers or other community first responders to get certificated to provide legal answers or to questions that the people, the populace that they deal with on, on an everyday basis. Um, so long as those people didn't charge for it, provided that advice for, for free, why shouldn't they be able to help the community that they serve? Those are the types of things that I talked about today. And so, and the sandbox is, a, is an idea of permitting people to experiment with new ways of doing things. It's a way that a regulator can look at innovative services or innovative products and ensure that the regulatory goals are being met. In other words, that it's safe. It's benefiting the consumer. It's not harming people. Right? And we can actually do that then based on data. We can benchmark what the market looks like beforehand. We can see the effect that it's having, right? its penetration on the market, the way that people are perceiving it and reacting to it. So it, it's moving from an era of, of prescription in, in legal regulation to one that's based on data. And that's really the paradigm shift that we're talking about. This is hugely important. A shift to evidence-based decision-making and taking specific examples, evaluating them and saying yay or nay after you've had a chance to That's exactly it. right. And the other thing we're doing at Utah is, is we're taking our own advice. This sandbox is, is going to be a pilot in and of itself for two to three years. And it is being independently evaluated by three separate outside groups, right? So let's, we think we have a winner, but let's make sure and let's have outside evaluators tell us what, what we really, you know, what we've really accomplished. Sounds great. So, Justice Timmer, tell us what's going on in Arizona. Well, the story in Arizona uh, is very similar to the one in Utah that you just heard from Justice Jimenez. Uh, we too have always been concerned about access to justice and how the, the gap in the civil courts has really widened dramatically in the last 10, 15 years. Along with the advent of increased technology, all of us are certainly aware of 
of the fact that people are going to the internet to, to do it yourself. It's a do it yourself world that we all go to and people are doing it for their legal services. But yet that's outside the regulatory framework that we've set up for uh, the practice of law in Arizona. So we too uh, got together a task force. We've made a number of recommendations and the one that, I, that Justice Simonis was just addressing uh, is our number one recommendation, which is to eliminate ER 5.4 uh, along with 5.7 and then strengthen some other ERs. So why don't you, for our listening audience, what is 5.4? 5.4 is the one that says that lawyers may not share legal fees with non-lawyers. Right. So uh, if you're going to have a law firm, it's owned all by lawyers and, and that's it. So this is one of... When, when people look at the rules governing law practice, two that draw attention the most uh, are the limitations on who can participate, what human beings may play a part in delivering legal service, and then the other is who may have an economic stake in the enterprise, and that's what 5.4 is about. Exactly, and I'll give the you a, a real-world example. Back in the recession that we just had, uh, in Arizona was hit uh, probably more than most with the, the housing market issues, and uh, lawyers approached asking if they could partner with real estate agents and mortgage brokers to be at one-stop shopping, if you will, to assist people with their housing issues. And we had to say, no, you cannot, because ER 5.4 prevents you from sharing legal fees. That's one of the things that starts to make us think, why? Why is that necessary? Or is it necessary to protect the public to have that rule? And one of the things you talked about in our session today here at Legal Week was the challenge for the lawyer who sets up a practice aiming to serve the person with relatively low stakes uh, legal issues. And, and some data that you drew from the Clio report. Uh, could you share some of that with our listening audience? Sure. Uh, Clio is a, a software provider which serves mostly solos and small firm practitioners with billing software and that kind of thing. They surveyed their clientele, about 60,000 across the U.S., and found that they are not thriving uh, in representing people. They bill about 260 an hour on average. They work 1.9 hours a day doing legal work. Of that, they bill 1.6 hours, and I think they collect 1.3 to make $422 a day, something like that, uh, means, which means they make, they gross 105000 a year, assuming a two-week vacation. Uh, to ask them to take on uh, pro bono or low bono work to service additional people is really unfair. They can't do it. But allowing maybe an infusion of capital to increase their technological outreach uh, to reach more people and have more of a quantity practice could be a win-win both for the lawyer and for clients who are underserved at present. And as our listeners hear uh, the, the numbers that Justice Timmer just shared with us, those are the gross numbers, but then all the expenses, the rent, and all of the other expenses that go along with being a lawyer have to be subtracted from that. So the, the actual income that the lawyer can earn under those facts is, is even lower. Exactly. Right. And it, it, so there's a, this is one of the, to me, one of the important uh, dynamics in this, in this picture that, that calls for us to reexamine the rules. On the one hand, you have citizens who need legal service and, and can't access it. And on the other hand, you have lawyers trying to de deliver it, but having a very challenging time making a go of it with the restrictions on what they can do as an enterprise. All right, so let's turn to Andrew Aruda. 
Um, Andrew, you've been working on the California Commission since its inception, and you come from a, a legal technology uh, perspective to this effort. Uh, share with us, please, if you would, some of the things you shared with the audience today. Absolutely. So um, really uh, today served as a, a fabulous kind of way to communicate where we are uh, with our efforts in California. We've been at it for over a year now. And uh, I think, you know, we've, we've heard from what's happening in Utah. We've heard what's happening in Arizona. You see very similarly uh, the ATILS task force taking and looking at similar recommendations, whether that's edits uh, rule 5.4, 5.7, an expansion of the paraprofessional uh, capabilities within the state of California, um, as well as taking a sandbox approach. I think those are the recommendations as they are currently going uh, forward. Our task force itself will have our last meeting on February 24th of this year, and our efforts as a whole will kind of draw to a close with a final report being issued at the end of March, before March 31st, at which point um, we're going to then look for the direction of the Supreme Court of California, as well as we do have a quirk where there is a, um, a dual kind of, le the legislature may also get involved as well. That's kind of the, um, the, the meat and potatoes in some ways, but, I think what's most exciting is the spirit underlying all of these recommendations and really stepping back and saying, why is this happening? And I think the same thing is happening in California as what you see in Utah, as what you see in Arizona, as what you see in every state across the country. There is a desire to address an obvious problem with how legal services are being delivered. The current way of delivering legal services is failing the uh, folks who, of course, might have a, a lower income, but it's also failing middle-class Americans, and it's also even failing those who are quite wealthy in America. And so it is very obvious that there is a huge problem, and this needs to be solved. And right now, I think we are looking at how do the current form of regulation uh, prevent some of these kind of issues to being solved. So you heard some great examples. The only example that I'd like to add, when you think of non-lawyer ownership of a law firm, oftentimes you think of dollars and cents and bank accounts. But what oftentimes people forget is sweat equity. In other words, what would a new world look like where a social worker can start a law firm with uh, a JD uh, and, and share in, in the struggles of, an, of starting that firm and that legal services delivery entity, but also share in the profits and some of the, the wins that they can have together. So I think that's an important aspect that is often overlooked. And I guess I ended my bit um, today here at Legal Week with reminding people that currently in law, we have a situation where we're asking the equivalent of surgeons to take people's blood pressures and people are dying. So we need to do something about this, and I'm very proud uh, to be part of those efforts with my work at ATILS, as well as serving on the board of IELTS, which I think has been a really great uh, neutral uh, entity, which has been uh, driving and acting as a, a, a kind of a glue between a lot of these efforts. So just for those who are listening who don't know what IELTS is, we yeah, it's the Institute for the Advancement of the American Legal System, so something that is tough to say 10 times fast. But in terms of what we do, um, our goal is to try to be a very data-driven organization that examines and really peaks and does deep dives into the issues um, that we've discussed already as, uh, on this podcast, 
but I think also looking and providing data where it is lacking. And so the sandbox, there's an image of the sandbox and uh, uh, what the framework looked like that was put together by IELTS and it has a fabulous knowledge center. So for any listener out there, if you'd like to keep uh, up, up to date with what's happening in Arizona, what's happening in Utah, what's happening in California and some other states and, and uh, jurisdictions, they're collecting that information and putting it in one place on the knowledge center of the IELTS website. All right. All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time here for this podcast, for this on-the-road podcast, and for, for taking the time to come to Legal Week. The whole world is looking for innovation. Everybody talks about innovation. We want to find new ways. And what you have talked about in such uh, common sense, clear ways are efforts that each of your states are making to enable people to try new ways to deliver legal service with a view to making it better for everyone. Thank you very much. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.